You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're probably familiar with the statement that some of us have said from time to time, don't just stand there, do something. You, you've probably heard that, and you probably use that yourself. But in, there are sometimes in the Christian life where God just tells us, uh, don't do something, just, just stand there. Um, most of the time we need to be busy and doing God's work, but then there's times when it becomes very obvious that I have done everything I can do, and for me to do something more would be to try to press uh, God's real plan. Uh, beyond what his plan really was. That's a, it's a good song, has some tremendous thoughts to it, and I certainly do appreciate that. Uh, take your Bibles, if you will. We're going to go into the book of Ephesians chapter 4, if you would. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul knew and understood that this church of Ephesus was going to have all kinds of different people in that church. He knew that. He, he knew there would be Jews. He knew there would be Gentiles. He knew there would be all kinds of different cultures. Uh, he knew there would be the difference between men and women. He knew all the different conglomerations of what was actually going to be coming together at church. So what he does with the book of Ephesians, and it's critical that we understand this, he takes the first three chapters and says, here's the facts that you guys are going to be standing on. These are what gives you foundation in your Christian life. This is how you uh, understand salvation. It's how you pass it on to others. This is, this is the doctrine that you stand on that has given you the peace in Christ that you have today. He takes the last three chapters and says, now, knowing all those things, here's how you're supposed to live it out. This is what it's supposed to look like. And as I've said many times, if if somebody was to look in the back doors of our, the glass doors of our church and watch what happens inside of this church, he says, these last three chapters is what you're supposed to look like while you believe what you're believing, while you're trying to spread the truth of the gospel. And... uh, So to bring cultures together, uh, to, to bring genders together, a whole different kind of uh, thinking that so many different people have, he says, you've got to be willing, please hear this, you must be willing to bow down to the guidelines and the structure of what God says in his word. I say that to our church. We have a lot of different cultures in our church, some different nationalities that are uh, at East Side. We have men and women. We have Uh, young and old. We have a lot of different mindsets that come to our church. There are different ideas about how the church ought to be run and how things ought to uh, happen in Sunday school and different places. We all have those kinds of opinions and thoughts and ideas. And Paul said, if we just turned everybody loose and said, just go for it, guys. Let's put all those thoughts together, whatever you think, and you know what the guys on the Uh, west side of the auditorium think and then those on the east side of the auditorium or is it north and south Um, you guys just do whatever you want you've probably got some great ideas 
use your culture the way you want to use your culture, and we're just going to mix all these things together. And I'm sure when you shake it all together, the way men think and the way women think and all those things, it's going to all work out. How many believe that? That is not going to happen. And Paul knew that. Let's get out onto the highway, if you would. You can go down the streets of Sioux Falls, 10th Street, 41st Street, at 515 in the afternoon. And let's just put up some billboards that say, drive however you want to drive. Whatever you think is awesome, speed limit, up to you. Whatever lane, you don't need lane. Sidewalks are available to you. Uh, drive the way you would like to drive. Uh, um, if you want to obey the signs, that's fine. Now, somebody in here saying, I know that guy. <laughs> I, I met him on 41st Street last week, and that was him. He was whatever he wanted. <laughs> At times, it's been you. You know that. Got to get to McDonald's before the crowd gets there and bumping people out of the way. You know that doesn't work. That would never work. If you don't have lines on a road, nobody's going to stay in lanes. And if you don't stay in lanes, you're not going to get anywhere. A bunch of accidents, anger, road rage like you can't believe. So please listen to this. What makes you think it's going to work in a church? That if people with all kinds of different ideas, well, I just think, I've heard this, I just feel so strongly that, and then I've heard that opinion just spilled out, and sometimes with tears and sometimes with anger, and, uh, and I remember as a young pastor just thinking, what do I say to these people? And God always whispered, whispered to my heart, just get into my word. Just tell them what I say. If you tell them what I say, you're going to be all right. So that's what Paul, that's what Paul is doing here. We're getting into chapter 4. Remember as we've come through here, he's told them that um, there are gifts given by God to every Christian in a church. Every Christian in here today has been gifted, number one, by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God uh, for uh, man when they get saved. The Spirit of God comes to live in us, and with that Spirit of God, that Spirit of God then gives gifts as well to our Christian life. And we have a specific gift that I am to be able to serve God with in the church. Uh, There's seven different gifts. Read Romans Uh, 12, if you will. It explains what those are in those first seven or eight verses. It shows you what those gifts are. I have one of those as my special gift. It's not that I can neglect all the other six because I'm supposed to emulate Jesus in every way. It's just that that one gift that works in me, it just comes easy to me. It's the one I can just flow through. It's the way I want to demonstrate my ministry to God. It's through that one gift, and it's true of all of us. So he gives to the, then that's the gifts to the individuals, then he gives to the whole church gifts. He called them pastors, evangelists, went through the apostles and so forth, and the apostles are no longer in existence today, but you still have pastors and evangelists. Pastor gives uh, the word of God to help, listen, it's really important to build the congregation up so that the congregation knows how to do the work of the ministry. And the entire congregation is supposed to be busy doing something at the house of God. For God's sake. Some way throughout the week, you're supposed to be using your gift to help build up the body of believers here today. With all that in mind, if, if, uh, uh, 
If I said, let's all stand, if we agree to do all those things, and if we all stood and cheered and said, yeah, we're going to do that, then I would say, okay, now let's have a seat, and let's find out how God told us to do that. What are the guidelines? What are the lines in the road we're supposed to follow? And, and how are we supposed to know if we are, you know, bumping cars off the road? And if we are in our process of trying to be a great blessing to others, you're wiping about half a dozen others out in your process of helping others. How am I supposed to take it home with me? And, and church, you know, church isn't the walls. Church is us. And so the church in the home, as we go home, husbands and wives and families, what are we supposed to look like? And I believe these guidelines and structures here will help us so much. Guys, to the degree that we as a church are willing to stay in the lines and are willing to follow what God has taught us here today, we're going to get to the destination God wanted us to get to all along, which was not McDonald's. Our goal is to be able to get to growth in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be like Him and to find others building up their lives in Christ and then going and finding somebody else I can help build their life up in the Lord Jesus Christ. You get into Ephesians and get into chapter 4, and he really begins to zero in. Last week, we talked about how we need to uh, put off certain things and put on certain things, and that was the essence of our message last week. But today, uh, Paul begins to deal with toxic people in church. So if you'll look with me as we get into Ephesians 4, verse 25, he draws some lines for us. He puts the stripes on the road, if we can put it that way. Um, Verse 23, maybe it helped to back up a couple, huh? Um, So verse 23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put off or put on the new man, which is which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now he gets right into the, the, the meat of it all here. Here's the paint on the road. Wherefore? Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. you got other people around you guys. That's what he's saying. You're affecting those people. So let's stop the lying, verse 25. Verse 26, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. How's that work at your house? Uh, Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no, well that's an all-inclusive word, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but, here's what we are allowed to do, here's the lines, but that which is good, to the use of edifying, to build up, is what that means that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, if you do those things that he just mentioned. Uh, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, evil, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Wow. Now put that to work in your church, he says. 
Those are the lines you're supposed to stay in. Let's have a word of prayer. Let me get into this. God, thank you for your word, and I just pray that you'll take what's been said to us here. Give us open hearts and open minds. Please help us to see what you're saying to us, God. We want to be that church that you want us to be. I know this is for Ephesus, but it's also for every church here on out. So as a church here at Eastside Baptist, may may you help us to apply this today and just be genuine and real. Help us to put away the facade and being fake and just be honest and real one with another, especially with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in 1988, lots of you, most of you have heard me tell this, but it fits so well with my message today. I'm going to tell it again, all right? So back in 1988, um, um, I don't see Regina here today, but Regina had come over to the house. We were sitting there talking. I think it was her and Deborah. And um, while they were there talking with me, my wife was back in the, the bedroom, and she, I knew she'd been sick for a while and not doing the best. And as soon as uh, we finished having our conversation uh, uh, and Regina and them left, I, Yvette comes out. And she says, honey, I'm not doing good at all. Can you just, I think it was past um, doctor office hours and she says, can you just run me to, back then you could run to the emergency room. Uh, and of course, I know you still can today, but back then it was a little more common. And, and so I took her to the emergency room. I said, she's obviously got the flu. Can you please, can you help her out? And so in time, they took her in the room and they began running a bunch of tests and they just couldn't find out what was wrong with her. After several hours, every joint in her body was just killing her and she was in such pain. And, and um, I had uh, Tilly... Uh, Belden had actually taken our girls uh, to her house and so um, finally they said they came to me and they said we don't know what's going on here we're gonna have to do a spinal tap on her which I've heard those are not fun uh, and and very painful but she was in enough pain whatever it was going to take she was going uh, to do that and finally they figured out and did one more test to find and found out that she had what's called toxic shock now, the ladies here may be very familiar with that and, and understand, but um, it's a blood infection that gets, obviously, into your system, and your blood is septic, and you're poisoned throughout your whole body, and uh, if it goes too far, it can, your organs will begin to shut down, and then you die. And they had lost a lot of women at that time, and uh, so I didn't realize. They told me, we found out what it is, it's toxic shock, and so, okay. To me, that was the flu. So she said to me, honey, won't you go home and, and uh, come back in the morning? It had gotten late that night. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll do that. And, uh, and after I'd been home and in bed for an hour or two, I got a phone call from the hospital. And they said, Mr. Spencer, uh, you're, you are Phil Spencer, yes. You, your wife, Yvette, yes. They said, well, your wife's blood pressure has been dropping steadily. And we cannot get it back up and we think you might want to be here. And before she said here, I had my shoes and clothes on and I was heading out the, the door and to get up to the hospital, ran into the hospital room. They gave me five minutes, five minutes to see. Now I understand this is very critical. And what they had told me on the phone without saying it was she's dying. And if we can't get her blood pressure back up, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a wife any longer. So for five minutes, I, I sat there and I held her hand as much as I could, but it hurt her so bad and she was crying, and she was hurting, and I, man, I just, I remember going out to the uh, waiting room. It was middle of the night. It was dark in the waiting room, 
And I remember just laying back on the chairs, laying down and looking up in the dark, realizing what was in front of me. And I remember telling God, I said, God, um, this is when you really, you know, you talk from the bottom of your heart. I remember specifically saying, God, if you want my wife, you can have her. But would you please just be gracious and give me my wife back? I, I have three daughters to raise, and it would just be a, the greatest blessing if you could heal her. And as the night went on, things changed a little bit, and then they go backwards and change a little bit and go backwards. And then uh, over the next day or two, things got lots better. And, um, and I think about the second or third day, I don't remember how long it was after that, we were ordering pizza. And, and, and that was a, the best pizza I've ever had in my life. It could have been liver. And I, okay, maybe not liver, but... Uh, it could have been anything. I'd have been the best I'd ever had. Just sit there with my wife and, uh, and to see her doing so much better. Problem was, for her, toxins had gotten into the bloodstream, had worked into her body. Everything in the body ached. And honestly, for many years afterwards, she would just, it didn't take a whole lot to fatigue her body. And um, uh, things, uh, you could tell it had, had a, a lasting effect on her. Um, but what Paul is saying to us guys, if we, can, if we can grasp this, is if you allow it to happen in this body that's here today, if you don't put any kind of guideline and structure to you, toxins are going to work their way throughout this body of believers. And talk about the aching and the hurting and how the body doesn't function well and and your organs, the, the vitality of a congregation begins to shut down if, if we're not willing to follow what God is trying to say to us here. So let me walk through this with you, if you will. I want to look at number one. If we're looking at being toxic in the church, toxic people in a church, first of all, the first toxic person he deals with is what I believe I'd like to describe as the deceiver. Look in verse uh, 25, if you will. So Paul begins, here's the stripe on the road, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members um, one of another. You know, if you went back into this day and age and picked up some of their philosophy books or listened to some of their wise ones, in this day and age, listen to some of the things that they said was good and proper in the town they lived in. They were saying that things like this, I'll give you four different quotes they were saying. A lie is better than a hurtful truth. Or, good is better than truth. Or, when telling a lie will be profitable, let it be told. Well, what's the big deal if it helps somebody else out? And then lastly, uh, he may lie who knows how to do it in a suitable time. When it's right and when it's proper, then it's okay to go ahead and tell a lie. Well, guess in God's mind when it's okay to tell a lie. Uh, let's see, verse 25. Wherefore, put away most of your lying. No. Let's see, put it away unless it helps you out of a sticky spot. No. Uh, God just says, stop. Can't do it. I, in a congregation, in Christian homes, you've got to be honest with each other. And deceit just can't be a part of who we are. Truth is what makes a man free in Christ, 
But dishonesty and deceit will tear a congregation apart and bring us apart. It'll tear homes apart. It'll tear uh, relationships with people apart. But that was the thinking in their society in their day. And remember, the culture was having an effect on the church rather than the church changing the culture of their day. Instead of being the thermostat in the world that changes the temperature around them, the church was becoming the thermometer. And all they would do is just register the temperature around them and change right along with it. That's what was happening to the church. And Paul said, we cannot be a congregation like that. So Paul has to deal with the lying culture that was invading the heart of uh, this body of believers. And let's just bring it home here today, guys. I, I know I'm talking about Ephesus, but let's just make it for us today and understand Eastside Baptist Church, Paul wants this truth to get into our hearts and our lives and understand we can't be deceitful one with another, lying to each other, uh, whether it's in the church, as I said, in the home, maybe in your relationship with others, maybe as a student in your school that you attend or whatever it might be. God says, as Christians, we need to be the ones who tell the truth. Somebody needs to be able to rely upon somebody in this world to know that they have spoken the truth. Let your yea be yea and your nay nay is what Jesus said. When they hear you talk, just let somebody know that when you've said something, that's the way it's going to be. You, you've heard the old saying, you know, uh, a handshake and your word was all it ever took back in the day for people to believe you because men kept their word back then. But my have times changed. And what's so sad about it, it comes inside the congregation even now today. You say, well, preacher, I'm not one of those who just go out and tell a bold-faced lie to somebody. Uh, but guys, good. But maybe you do. Maybe there are some in here that you have no problem lying to your mom and dad, your teacher, your spouse, your, your fellow church member. Maybe you do tell a bold-faced lie to them, and it's just you've learned how to live with that. It got you by. You know, you slid past a certain thing in life. You know, whoo. Glad I knew how to get past that one. Well, hey guys, you might have got past that one, but I promise you, you're going to want run right into a brick wall with the word God written all across it. You just are. Um, sometimes we'll present ourselves to people a certain way. Yeah, are you familiar with this? Have you met people like this? Is this you? We will present ourselves to people a certain way you know, to get the reaction from them that we're hoping to get from them, but once we're gone from them, you know, back to the who, uh, I really am kind of a guy, and uh, we're an entirely different person. Being in the ministry, I've met some preachers like that down through the years. I, I've enjoyed the preaching of some men. I mean, I, I, I said to God, if I could preach like that, man, that'd really be a blessing, God. Could I, could I get some talents like that? And then I would go shake the hand of that man after the service, try to sit down and talk with him a little bit, and I was a nobody to that guy. I mean, uh, it was just like, I have no time for you. And come to find out that there are people that what they say from the pulpit doesn't match who they are um, in the aisle, going down the aisle of the church. And what people try to make themselves look like as members of a church sometimes, you know, we put on a show, we try to cover up because of, you know, we don't want people to think this about us. So I'll say this and act like that and then go home, we get in that car and the kids watched mom or daddy act a certain way at church but as soon as they hit the car as soon as they walk in the door of the house they see an entirely different person see how did paul put that 
Wherefore, putting away lying. Yeah. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are, don't you get it? We're members one of another. Don't you understand? You're going down the lanes of a highway, and we're trying to all get in the same, uh, you know, to the same place. We're all trying to just serve God together. And what makes you think you can step outside the lines and think everything's going to be fine and just think that since we're members one of another, I'm not going to hurt anybody else? Yes, you are. You're ripping the heart out of somebody else, or you're causing somebody else to be hurt because of your lie or deceit. And Paul says we can't live that way. That's not going to. It's not going to work inside. Uh, a church. Again, lies will poison. It's a toxin that gets into a church, begins to infiltrate, and it'll weaken the family unit. It'll put the integrity of Jesus Christ in question. And he says, guys, we've got to stop. We all agree with that? Amen? Let's put away lying. Number two, you got another toxic person in the church, kind of sends the poison throughout. Uh, he deals with the toxic, what are we going to call this person? We'll call him a grudge holder. Look in verse 26. Here's how he puts it. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Wow. Now this is a big one. I mean, this person won't deal with his anger appropriately. And guys, honestly, the problem is not your anger. Sometimes anger is the, you know, the right response to somebody's wrong action, sometimes. The problem sometimes is holding on to your anger. Um, righteous indignation uh, is, is in bounds. Righteous indignation lets others know that this was not right. I do not agree with this, but it doesn't hurt those people. It's, it has its boundaries. It has its stripe on the road. Uh, but many times the problem with our anger is uh, we, don't, we don't want to let go of it. We want to just tuck it inside and, uh, you know, like the Bible just said there, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What's he really saying there? What he's really saying is stop holding on to those things that make you such an angry person. God said, once you bring those things to me, bring captive, here's what he says in Corinthians, bring captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I promise you, God knows what to do with your anger. If you bring it to the Lord and say, God, I'm so mad, God already knows this, so you're not going to shock him. I'm so mad I could punch that guy in the nose. <laughs> He's like, I just don't want him to know that. He already knows that. He knows your heart. He knows what you're willing to do with your anger. But go to God and be honest with him and say, God, I have an anger problem, and I can't deal with this. And when it says to bring captive every thought to the obedience of Christ, give God your anger. Uh, let God deal with that and let go of that thing. And the thing that hurt you so badly, that stirred you up inside, that made your insecurities all riled up and made you feel worthless and so on, uh, those things need to be given to God. And learn how to get your worthiness from God and not from little people who like to poke us and, you know, Push our buttons, because we all have our buttons, don't we? And when somebody pushes your button, <laughs> the whole house knows about it, don't they? And sometimes the whole church finds out about it. So God says, we're going to put some stripes on the road here. And if you've got a problem with your anger, and you just hold on to it, you know, don't let it, the sun go down on your wrath. Get it dealt with before you go to bed. And boy, husbands and wives, this has ever applied to us. Can we all say amen to that? One little brave amen. One. Yeah. 
Husbands and wives, this would be a good one to remember. You got some issues? Now I got to tell you, if me and my wife ever had an issue, it happened on Saturday night, about midnight. And my wife likes to work things out. And I wanted to tell her the sun's already down. I'm going to have to go into another day now to work this out. I never said that. <laughs> but she wants to work things out. She's one of those that likes to get it taken care of right then and there. I like, I like to put it off to the next day because maybe she has a bad memory. And maybe it won't be so bad tomorrow. Um, and I want to tell you how many times that worked. Goose egg. Never. Always got worse. And it's always better if you and I can learn the lesson that we've got to work some things out. We've got to get with God. We're going to be Christian about this. We're going to step outside of the world and get inside what God says and realize God's given us some boundaries here. Verse 26, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Guys, look at verse 27. Oh my goodness. Tied these two together. Neither give place to the devil. You hear that? Neither give place to the devil. Now, do you know what that means? It, it, you want to get real Greeky, and I don't get Greeky, but if you want to get real Greeky and look all those words up, what that means is don't give any property, no land that you own to Satan to be able to set up his little kingdom in. So when it says, neither give place to the devil, he says, if you don't know how to let go of your anger and you're just going to hold on to your anger and, I, and I've got to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm mad at what you've done to me. And this goes on for days and days and days. Uh, he says, what you're doing is, is opening the door of your heart and saying, uh, saying to the devil, come on in. I got a place for you to reside. I got some territory that I'm going to surrender to you. And God says, don't give place to the devil. Well, it's just that one little spot in my heart. Please listen to this. If the devil has one little place in your heart, to get to that place, he has to trample over all the rest of your heart to get to that one little spot. And his footprints are now all over your entire life. And you begin to show up as an angry person and somebody that Satan has, well, I'm a Christian and the devil doesn't have any part of me. Not according to what God says. You give the devil property in your life, he's just not a good tenant. He just doesn't take care of property, and he'll destroy his property and everything around it and everybody else that's with him. So the line on the, on the road says, uh, you got an anger problem, you need to deal with your anger. You need to go to the person and get it right. You need to just say, I've been angry with you. Tell them I'm sorry for my attitude. And I, I don't want to be like this. I, I want to be Christ-like. And, and if I'm going to be somebody in the church that builds people's lives up, I have got to let go of this thing that's been bothering me. Christians need to learn how to do that. Let go of that. And that's what Paul's saying very, very clearly to us. The toxic grudge holder spreading toxins throughout the body of believers. Thirdly, there's the toxic self-centered thief. Look in verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. The problem, you know what the problem is with being so self-centered that you're willing to rob people? Uh, self-centered people always take more than they give. Is everybody awake here this morning? Self-centered people, they have that toxic 
uh, germ they're spreading through the church, if you're self-centered, the problem with you is you like to take from people more than you're willing to give back. You're willing to just take all day long from people. You ever notice people, uh, the only time you ever hear from them, guess what? It's when they have a need. You, get, you look on your phone, oh, it's so-and-so. I wonder what they need today. <laughs> yeah. How come we can get like that in a congregation? Always expecting and demanding of people. And I've got that self-centered attitude that I, I, I need you to be for me so that I'm happy. And I don't, I don't mind doing that as much as I can possibly do. But, you know, sometimes the reservoir kind of runs out, amen? And, and I need you to help fill me back up and to encourage me and to challenge me. Um, I guess what he's trying to say here is don't be that person that's always got to have something from everybody else. And if I don't get it, then I'm not happy. I'll just move on to another church. I'll move on to another neighborhood, whatever it might be, and, until I find somebody else that's willing to give, 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 give to me. God, help us not to be that kind of a person i got to move on a little quicker than I've been going. Number four, the toxic tongue. Now, I know we don't have any problems in our church with this. Verse 29 and 30. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Well, most of the time, this corrupt communication that proceeds out of the mouth of people, many times this person becomes a fault finder. They, they know where all the problems are in your life. No problem telling you about that. Um, and God says what your, your, your conversation is supposed to be like is that you're building up people's lives and giving grace to the people that we're talking to. But... Uh, we're not designed and gifted by God to be the people in our church who tears down. That's not why God gives us the gifts that we were given. That's not the intent. And uh, when it's all said and done, uh, the intent is not to walk out and see a bunch of bodies laying around. You know, I uh, got, got them straightened out. God wants us to be the kind of people who build up. I understand some fault finders are prophets and they can see the, the faults in others and and they have the gift, and it is a gift of God of seeing wrongs in a church. And there's, that's great. Praise God for that. But guys, that can't be the focus of your life with others. Our focus has to be on how to help build people's lives up and get past their faults, not focusing on the fact of the fault. That corrupt communication, always driving and shoving and pushing and trying to get things to be made right in people's lives. Notice what that does to God, verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit of God, hey guys, Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of us and, and, and I have eternal life through that Holy Spirit of God and that Holy Spirit wants to keep breeding life through me and, and uh, when I get around others, the Spirit of God wants to be able to reach into your life through me. And to be able to help build up whatever's wrong in your heart and, and what's uh, hurting your heart and soul. That Holy Spirit wants to get into your life and help you so much. And if I could be that yielded vessel to let God do that, then great things can happen between Christian 
and Christian church member and church member, husbands and wives, parents and children, when the Holy Spirit of God is allowed to work. But when I insist on having my way and I see all your faults and, uh, and once the diagnosis has been made, I just keep driving on and on and, and going deeper and deeper and putting you down and making you feel worse and worse, you grieve that Spirit of God inside of you who longs to be able to reach out and help people and yet I'm putting the hand over his mouth, not letting him talk and I'm going to have my way. God said, let no corrupt communication, tearing down conversations proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. He kind of wraps it all up in verse 31. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, clamor is just really loud shouting, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. My wife, um, they were calling the doctors. They were trying to do cultures to figure out what was the best thing to give to my wife to help um, bring about healing to her. And I remember a Dr. Hoffman was your, what kind of doctor was he? Do you remember what that was? It was this infectious disease specialist. He came walking into the room and he says, I think we have it isolated. I think we have what we're going to need for your wife. And they began these um, in uh, IVs and putting the medicines into her and working it through her body. And as those antibiotics began to work through her body, and it was a, it was a tough time still, uh, but um, it began to kill the toxins in her system. And uh, her eyes started to brighten up and uh, her blood pressure came back in line. And before you know it, like I said, we're eating pizza. It was just a great day. I loved that day because it just seemed like, praise God, I have my wife again. God says, for the church, with toxins running through a congregation, for the family, for a relationship that it's just uh, so many uh, germs and bad things running through that body, he says, here's how you get rid of the infection. Look at verse 32. It's really pretty basic. And be ye kind one to another. How many of you love a needle? Uh, you just love needles. It's just the greatest thing in the whole world to get a needle poke and uh, feel that stab. Uh, I, I hate needles. Uh, I try to act real brave. It's oh, no big deal. And I'm dying inside. And it don't feel good, but I know when the needle goes in, I know it's going to help me. I know that. I'm going to tell you, here's a poke that doesn't even hurt. Be ye kind one to another. How about this one? Tender-hearted. Could you be labeled as a tender-hearted person, one that's just, you're sensitive to the needs of others when somebody else is hurting, you want to try to help? Or are you that critical, bitter, been holding on to grudges and the sun, many, many suns have gone down and you're still holding on to something? Are you listening to what God's saying here? God says, I, in a congregation, the way you look when you stay in the lines are, you're, you're this kind person, you're, you're tender-hearted toward people. So that's just not my nature. I know it's God's. Yours has to die. And God says, let the, 
Let the Spirit of God live through you. It's amazing what it can look like going down the highway of serving God, staying in the lines, getting to, uh, to places on time, and accomplishing great things for the Lord. Let's move along. Uh, kind one to another, tender-hearted. Wow, here's a big one, guys. Forgiving one another. You notice God doesn't qualify that. You know, well, you can forgive them if it was, you know, wasn't this big, but if it was this big, uh, then you, that's, you know, those, you know God wasn't talking about that. No, no, guys, everything. Forgiving one another. You hurt me terribly. You broke my heart and you, you destroyed some things in my life. And I've been angry and I've been bitter at you. And I've been holding grudges and I go to bed at night just thinking about things that could maybe happen to you so that you could know what it feels like to feel what I'm feeling. And God says, I died for that. I gave my, I gave my son for that. I put my son's life on the line so those things could be cleared away. What are you doing bringing those things back into the church, into your life, into your marriage? Why are you doing that? God says you want to live my way? Forgive one another for everything. Don't hold back on anything. And it doesn't matter who it is. So here's here's the example. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Wow. Without blinking an eye, when he looked down through eternity hanging on Calvary, he said, I'll do it for him too. I'll die for everything he's ever done. Not a, not a problem. Uh, but but, but you've got to know what all he's done. Uh, he, Satan runs back to God and says, you look at the wickedness that he's done here and, and know these really dark times in his life. And you, you know how bad it really got here. <clears throat> he says, I'll, I'll still forgive him. I'll take him and I'll bring it in. Guys, if God forgave us that way, <clears throat> how can we not? As a body of believers, with Christ as the head of this church, how can we hold something against anybody and not be willing to walk up? And if it takes tears in your eyes and just say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That's what he did on Calvary for the sin of the world. He comes to us and says, you're full of sin. Your life is corrupt all have sinned. You're, you're short of my glory. There's no way with the sin that's in your life that you're going to reach heaven the way you are. You're corrupt. You're defiled. He told us we're deserving of a devil's hell. You deserve to spend eternity in a lake of fire because of your sin. It's separated between you and God. And what you deserve really is hell. And God looked at us and said, but I'm willing to take care of that problem. And I'm willing to, get, to bring you back into a right relationship with me. I'm willing to do that so much that I'm willing to take my son, Jesus Christ. I'm willing to put him on a cross. I'm willing to drive the nails in his hands and feet and beat his face till he's unrecognizable. I'm willing to let you do that with my son so that you can be right with me. If you died today where will you spend eternity you can have eternal life or you can have the corruption that 
as in everybody's life. But if you'll receive the gift of Jesus Christ, his payment on Calvary, his forgiveness of your sin, God comes into your life. Uh, we say we, we pray and ask God into our heart, but it's my entire life God comes into. He, he changes me inside out. That Holy Spirit of God transforms man's life when we let God come in. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, God would love to save you today and make you a child of the King. It's the, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. But if you're here today and you're saved, and you know without doubt you're on your way to heaven, then the question becomes, when God looks down from heaven and looks at Eastside Baptist Church and he sees my family and he sees my individual life, can God honestly say, that, that man's living like this. This man's living for me. He's letting the Holy Spirit of God build the lives of other people up. Can God say that about us? And if there are things that God, through his Holy Spirit, that Spirit of God inside has been being grieved, if that Spirit of God inside of you is squeezing and touching a certain part of your heart where you've given place to the devil and says, uh, let's get this right today. Why don't we do that? Let's let God have his way. Amen? Let's be the kind of church God wants Eastside Baptist to be. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.